Hello and welcome to another episode of Behind the Desk Podcast. This one is a bit weird. Um, I've got no one to introduce. It is literally just me and you. Um, I've never done a video where I'm not in control, although I'm in control in the podcast of the editing. Um, it kind of, when I've done videos in the past, if I've stumbled my words, I could just simply stop, start again, edit it out, and nobody would even know. I don't want to do that with this podcast. I wanted it, even when there's guests here, to just be a flowing conversation. If there is ever times where conversation is kind of dead, that's just part of the conversation at that point. So I wanted it to be the exact same when I do these on my own. Got my cup of tea as normal. So I was thinking, on my own, what do I talk about? Because when I have guests on, I kind of go through their life start to finish where they've got to, where they are now, what kind of ventures they've got going on. So I thought, what would people kind of want to hear from me? And I kind of put myself in your shoes and I thought, well, why not do the exact same thing? But I'm going to kind of compartmentalize it. So this episode is not going to be as long as kind of the the guest episodes where we go through the entire life. This one is just simply going to be kind of me telling you guys my current business ventures, how I started them, the current progress on them, what I maybe learned along the way. And then in future episodes that I do on my own, maybe we can go a bit more into each of them, or maybe even before business started, some of my struggles, some of the good parts. Um, but I thought the first one, just to kick it off, make it nice and easy, we could just do like a an overview of them all in chronological order because that's the easiest way to do so and kind of where we are at this point and then from there we can go onwards and upwards to delve into a bit more depth. So without further ado, um, let's get into it, just me and you lot of going through the businesses that I currently run. So if we go back to 2017, that is when I first started FA Prep UK which is the business that kind of provides my salary. I'm going to have to wait for that to cool down a bit because that is way too hot to drink. 2017, um, yeah, FA Prep. It wasn't called FA Prep at that point. It was called DC Family Affairs. The reason for that was it wasn't, it wasn't a preparation centre. Um, we started just selling on Amazon ourselves. Now, back in 2017... Selling on Amazon, Amazon FBA, everything like that. It was like a crazy world where if you got into it, the profits and the, the sales you could get from there, there was not a lot of competition. So once you were in, you were kind of laughing. Um, and there was this big joke, and I've mentioned it before on the podcast about um, kind of those Amazon guys doing that Amazon thing, because that's kind of what it was. It was it felt like a wave that would come and would go. Um, of making money it ended up that it wasn't really a wave um, because now we've got the preparation center and we continue to provide a service for a lot of Amazon sellers who have been doing it even since 2017 and before um, but going back to where we started like I say 2017 started selling and we just did it literally from my nana's house so my nana invested into kind of not my idea, because it was passed around through people in Scunthorpe. Someone found out about it, who passed it on to somebody else, who then passed it on to somebody else, who then told Isaac, who then got Brandon involved, uh, as we spoke about on the first podcast we did. And then from there, I kind of saw the success that they were having. And then myself, along with another friend in our friend group, both started it as well. So at that point, it was kind of, let's just give it a go um, and see how it goes. She invested £3,000 into my idea. Now, my nana's never been afraid of kind of trying things, and that's kind of kudos to her because her whole life she's tried things and they've not really come to fruition, but then she was still willing to try something with me. So I kind of told her that Isaac and Brandon had been doing this Amazon thing. Um, even I call it that, but it's not really that. And they were making some good money from it. So it was an opportunity 
um, for us to maybe do something for her that could work um, and something that could actually make money rather than the other stuff she's tried that hasn't quite worked out. So we started it. And back then, um, like I said to Brandon, if you haven't listened to mine and Brandon's podcast, it is a very similar story um, in that we used to just kind of go around stores with our phones, literally just scanning items. And it would pop up and it would basically tell you how well an item sold. It would tell you what profit you'd make once you put your cost for price in there. And we'd literally just go around all the home bargains, Tesco's, um, I don't even know what other stores. Basically, any stores that sold like discounted health and beauty items or toys, clearance stock, we just go around, literally scan the barcode, and you'd see how much money you'd make. You'd stick it on Amazon. You kind of know from data how much of the item you'd sell each month. So if you were, if you looked at the rank, for example, it would give you an indication that you might sell ten of these a month. So you'd maybe buy five, see how they went. If they went well, you'd try go around even more shops to get more of the stock. So that's how we started, and we kind of just rinse and repeated that. I don't even know how long we did. It's called retail arbitrage, that side of things. I don't even know how long we did that for. Um, but it got to a point then where I was at uni, um, and I was driving around these stores in Leeds, and I was having to put them all in my boot, and drive home to Scunthorpe. So I'd be driving an hour at the weekend and I'd be taking this up to my nana, spending the whole week, uh, weekend prepping, um, trying to get the boxes out by Sunday to then go back to uni on the Monday. That kind of wasn't like completely viable. So we started to look into the, the wholesale model and I'm, I'm gonna lose track of kind of where things happened because it was like six years ago, but we started dabbling in the wholesale model, I think, during like a summer period. And then I wasn't enjoying uni at all. And I'm going to go into kind of uni life and before that in a different podcast, because um, there's quite a lot to talk about and that would end up being here for the whole podcast. Um, but I ended up quitting uni regardless. And I just thought, you know what, let's have a good crack at this um, because it is doing well. And I thought, if we can turn it into where I'm getting enough income that I can then start to build on that and maybe even create a self-sufficient income. I had a job at the time as well, so I quit uni and I got a job. Um, that was kind of providing me the income I needed to survive. And then the Amazon side of things was just kind of trying to keep building and building and building. Obviously, in the beginning of business, you don't really want to be taking any money out. So we just kept pummeling everything we got back into it. Now, I think after that Christmas, after that summer, sorry, at the Christmas, we was doing, again, I can't really remember the figures now. I'll be able to find them on my, my computer um, because all the data is still on there. But I think we was doing like £1,000 a day or something like that during the Christmas. Now, this is like the best period you can have in Christmas um, on Amazon. So like £1,000 a day, you're probably not going to match that for the rest of the year. So you're talking like twenty, thirty thousand. 30000 pounds a month now at that time that was crazy so imagine like you're not involved in business at all and then you go from turning over 20 30,000 pound a month um it was kind of like mind-blowing that it was possible but the good thing was is that I knew it was possible and it wasn't as scary because Isaac and Brandon they were always like a year or two ahead of us so everything they were doing I kind of expected to come and it kind of got used to it um but then it got to a case where Nana's house wasn't big enough, um, so I'm going to put some pictures on um, during the podcast as well, just to kind of give you an infographic of what life was like right at the beginning. Um, so yeah, the house started getting pretty full, and we thought, what can we do really to continue to grow the business at the rate it's growing? Because if we continue in the house, um, we're kind of at a limit then. We can only get so many deliveries into the hallway. Um, we can only prep so much stuff in this little back room that we made um, to be able to allow my nana and granddad and my uncle to continue living in a house as a house. And that's what was starting to take a big toll. 
is that the house was no longer becoming a house, it was becoming a workplace. So I'd wake up in the morning and I'd literally be doing, they say like you, you do stuff like this to go away from the nine to five, but people in business and who have been in business a long time will, will tell you that when you go into business, it's longer than nine to five. So they sell you it as escape the nine to five. But I was going around there at like eight in the morning, um, sometimes not even getting home till like eight at night. So you basically just go and you work until your body can't work anymore. So that's what we was doing. Um, so if you think while, say, my granddad's making tea, he's been surrounded by boxes and it just got really uncomfortable, not only for them as a household, but kind of for me, that my nana's house was no longer that nice place to go where I can have a cup of tea and biscuits and chill out and talk to my nana and granddad. It was becoming a workplace. So we got to the point where we needed to expand. Now, Isaac and Brandon, again, they'd got a warehouse, so I knew it was possible. Um, it, it made it not as scary, but it was still very scary because once you've got property, you're kind of tied into a, a liability then, and that's like a different world of literally just buying products from home bargains, packing them in your house. You kind of feel like a real business once you've got a property. I feel like the two steps of like real business is staff and property. Um, so this was kind of our first one where we were looking at moving out. Now, my granddad mentioned about getting like a, a container to move into. Um, this would have probably been sufficient for maybe a three to six month period. We would have been able to create like the little room we made. We would have been able to create a little bit bigger version of this. The only issue then was deliveries and things. Um, it meant we didn't really have a base because it would be in like a storage yard we'd have to be getting lots of random little boxes um, delivered to the storage yard and it just wouldn't be good. So I took one of many risks that I've taken um, during my time in business and we saw a warehouse come up. It was a thousand square foot. Um, at the time, that felt like huge. Like I remember we went to view it um, and the estate agent was like, oh, what do you do? And was like, oh, we, we sell on Amazon. And then looking at my Nana's house, I was like, I don't, I can't com comprehend like what the house, the stock in the house would look like once we put it into this warehouse. Um, but the, the, there was only really one size down from that and that was 500 square foot. And again, that was probably only like two storage containers worth of space. So again, that might have lasted us six months. Um, I wanted a, a longer plan and the way I work, I think, um, from what I've I've done in, in the past and what I'm kind of doing now is that if I put myself in a difficult position, I'll do whatever it takes to ensure that it works. So along again with my, my Nana's agreement, um, fair play to her, she's took the risk with me as well. I decided that we were going to go into that thousand square foot warehouse. So we then started moving in and once we'd got all the stock, the equipment and, and things like that, and we, we built a few desks because now we weren't just like working off the kitchen table or the worktops. We were able to create like systems. Um, so we built a few shelves up, built a few desks. But even still, if you look at the pictures, if I can find them, I'll put them on. Um, there was still a lot of room in there that like we even added in a kitchen. Um, kind of like a break area just for me, my nana, and I think my sister and cousin helped us out. And it kind of felt at that point, it was like, oh shit. But again, I trusted the process. Um, I trusted myself to be able to continue building it. And I knew through like hard work that eventually it would get full. Now, again, I'm going to reiterate that they say business people escape the nine to five. I did some stupid hours at this warehouse. It felt like, because I still lived at home, um, it felt like a place I could escape to. It was like my own little bubble where I could go, I could do work and no one would bother me. Um, so I'd sometimes be there from like seven in the morning till 12 at night. Now, some of this time I wasn't even working. Some of this time I was literally just like having a takeaway and watching a movie. Um, but it literally felt like my own little house without the bed. So I just go home to bed, wake up and then go back to my own little house. I absolutely love that little warehouse. Um, 
And again, things continued to snowball. My sister started doing a lot more hours for us. My cousin started doing a lot more hours for us. We had like systems in place and it was starting to become like an actual workplace. Um, and from there, it just kept getting bigger, really. And somehow with every space we've had, and I'm going to go into the, the expansion of it again, but with every space we've had, we've just continued to just exceed expectations in when we're going to fill it. So this one filled pretty quick. I think we had it on a three-year lease, I think. Um, and we were allowed, we had like a break clause. So after each year, you can decide if you want to carry on. Um, this was really good that we had that because it helped us in the, in the later stages. So once is where I started filling up, I think we started to get staff members at that point as well. So my friend Sam... He helped out. And then I think we had three, three, four staff members in the one warehouse. And then somebody moved out of a warehouse next door but one to us. And again, it's the exact same size warehouse. Um, but at this point, we'd kind of started the prep center as such. So what we were doing is people we knew in the Amazon warehouse world um they sometimes were in the position that we got to where the house wasn't quite good enough, but space where they was or time, um, they didn't have it. So they kind of send us their goods and we just help them out. Now, we wasn't a prep center at that point. Um, FA prep didn't exist. We just literally would help them out and we just charge them for the service. Um, there was no website. There was no advertising, nothing. We literally just helping out some friends. So then we started getting some pallets and things like that in. So pallets for ourselves of wholesale goods, pallets for some of the clients that we had. Um, so this, along with all the boxes that we were getting from like Disney and Home Bargains and places like that and shopping from Tesco and Sainsbury's. The first warehouse got full very quick and it wasn't even just stock that filled it. Waste was like a massive issue. Um, so I remember times where me and Sam would be working and what we had was like two rows of shelves, like through the middle, and then tables lining each wall. So we'd be working on one wall and like putting the cardboard on the floor behind us. And then we'd completely fill that walkway. So we'd have to move on to the other table and just repeat that until we can get like our waste collection sorted. Now it was very unsafe, but um, we kind of had to do what we had to do. So then we needed another warehouse. And like I say, one became available. So we asked if we could kind of get a discount um, on taking two of the units and have it tie in um, with the unit we already had. So they agreed and we took on that unit and then we split it into pallet-based warehouse and box-based warehouse. So the new one, um, we split the team as well. So luckily we're at the next door but one, it wasn't a problem at all. Like we could just come into work and say, right, you two are in that warehouse, us two are in this warehouse. And we worked that way. And I think I think it was like, I'm going to say seven months, um, maybe not even that, of being in that second warehouse. And we got to a point where it was silly again. Like we, we had filled that. Um, and I think this was during COVID. Um, I should have really done some research of when we did all these things, but um, I thought I'd just go for a flowy chat rather than a structured one. I think it was during COVID that we got like the most full. Now, during COVID, um, obviously staff were off for a short period of time. Um, I can't remember how many staff were at that point, but staff were off for a short period of time. And I'd kind of just go to the warehouse on my own um, and for a period of time as well, we, as we got more clients, we weren't really sure what was going to happen with the clients. So we didn't know if the online world would stop, if we would have to shut down. So clients weren't sending any goods. And I think for like a two week period at the start of March, I was kind of just sat there chilling. Luckily, it was quite sunny. If you don't remember lockdown, it was like a bloody summer holiday. Um, so luckily, it was quite sunny. And I just kind of chilled there um, just to ensure that if there was any deliveries that came, somebody could take them in but it was so reduced. And then suddenly during 2020, it just went absolutely nuts. Um, a lot of bad things happened to a lot of 
good people during COVID. Um, and it is very shit that that happened. But COVID for us kind of like accelerated our growth. Maybe maybe we, we, we jumped like a year or two um, just during the period of COVID in terms of growth. And we needed another warehouse by the end of that year. So by the end of 2020. Um, and I wanted it. Like I, I said to my nana and I said to the staff, and I said to myself, like, Christmas in these warehouses as they are is going to be absolute hell. Um, now, some bad stuff happened as well before this in terms of getting into debt and stuff. And if you've followed my journey beforehand when I, I did YouTube videos before, you'll kind of know about the bad stuff that happened. Um, I'm not going to go into that now because I've already spoke about it and I may do another video, kind of like an update. Um, an updated version of it, but I'm not going to go into that. We got into a lot of debt. I made a lot of mistakes, um, but then kind of COVID saved our ass. Um, so then we needed a warehouse by Christmas. It got to... So Q4, which in Amazon is one of the biggest periods, apart from maybe Amazon Prime Day, that can happen in the year. Um, that's October, November, December. So the last three months of the year. So I wanted that warehouse by October at the latest. Um, finding one in Scunthorpe during that time was absolutely mental. Even though businesses were closing, there was also a lot of businesses like us that were absolutely thriving. Um, so warehouses were getting snapped up. I remember looking around and I, so we currently had 2,000 square foot um, of warehouse. And I remember looking around and there was some for like 3,000 square foot some for 4,000 square foot, there was some for like 15,000 square foot, but there was none that were really perfect, which is what I wanted, like 5,000 square foot, so doubling a bit more. I thought that gives us maybe two years um, to be able to grow um, with 5,000 square foot. Um, but then one became available at the end of our road. So I was very keen on staying in the area as well because I, I love that area. I found all the the couriers and the people in the estate. We all got to know each other and I love that area and I wanted to stay in that area. And one came up in the area just literally at the end of the road. So I thought, well, we can just go view it um, and we can see how that goes. You're not tying yourself into anything just by viewing it. Um, we hadn't seen inside it. It was literally just on a picture, so we didn't really know the scale of how big it was. Um, so we thought, we'll just go view it. Now, it was 7,100 square foot. So this is 2,000 more and three and a half times as big as our current warehouses. Um, so when we walked in, I shit you not, I literally walked in and I was like, fucking hell. This is massive. I remember looking at it, it's... Um, it was like all open space as well, so there was no um, compartment walls, there was no office blocks or anything like that. It was literally just one big open space, which made it look even bigger. Um, there was literally a toilet block, that was it. The rest of it was open space, and it was quite tall. So I just thought, shit, the bed. Um, and my nana, I remember my nana mentioning, she was like, this is too big, that like, we, we aren't going to fill that. Uh, and I agreed. Um, I did definitely think we weren't going to fill that. Um, but I kind of went away and it was getting to like desperate times now. Um, I think this was maybe August, September that we viewed it. And it was getting very desperate times because we were obviously getting closer to Q4. Um, and I did not want Q4 in those two warehouses. Because kind of once you start Q4, you can't move out um, because you have that many parcels and you have to ensure that you've got systems in, in place and you're not going to be disrupting that. If you don't move in before Q4, you're kind of going to have to wait till after Q4. So we had to ensure it was done. So anyway, I kind of went away, um, had a think. And even though it was three and a half times as big, I'd seen how quickly we outgrew the expansion of the second one. So like I said, I think it was literally like six months, seven months. And I'd seen how quick that had gone. Now, obviously, it was during COVID as well. And it was the unknown of will it carry on after COVID, but it was kind of a case of we need to either pull the trigger or we might be fucked. Um, so yet again, just like the first warehouse, I convinced my nana. Um, as I always do, I just kind of say, let me do my thing um, and I'll ensure it works. 
So we ended up signing for that. Um, we had to, luckily our estate agents from the old one were pretty good. Um, they let us off with the second warehouse, bear in mind we'd only been in there seven months. Um, they let us off with just cancelling that off and then we had to pay a little bit of money to cancel the first one because it was before our year break. So we got quite a good deal with all those because sometimes you're also stuck in the estate agent's hands having to pay big fees to get out of the contract you're in. So it all kind of fell into place quite well. It was a big step up in expenses. Um, this warehouse was a lot more expensive. Um, it was very big. I remember me and my friend Sam, who, like I say, worked for us at the time. We'd literally, once we got the warehouse, I was like, right, we're not pissing about. Let's get let's get moved in. Um, I don't want to delay this anymore. Um, we're coming up to Q4 now. Let's just get it done. So me and him literally hired a van um, over a weekend and we moved everything from that and them two warehouses up to the new warehouse um, so by the end of Sunday it was all in and yet again but even worse this time once we'd moved everything in bear in mind that them two warehouses were like filled to the brim um, especially the first one um, you could hardly move in there and then we moved it to the new warehouse and there was so much space um, again, I thought I fucked up. This is way too big. I wanted 5,000 square foot. I've now taken on 2,000 square foot more than I wanted. I may have fucked up here because it's like, um, I spoke to my friend about this and you, you kind of feel once the warehouse is empty that you're not making enough money to cover it. Um, you always want the warehouse to be close to capacity, if not at capacity. So moving into a place like that and it not being anywhere near capacity, it was really scary. Um, but again, like I've done with everything else, I put trust in myself that I can see now it needs filling, so I'm going to do what I need to do to fill it. And we did have the prep centre at this point, and I think we were still selling online ourselves because we did stop that um, not long after that. My tea's gone cold now. But yeah, we moved in and luckily again it was during COVID because COVID accelerated us so far that within no time really, um, we ended up making that look like a warehouse that wasn't too big for what we had. Um, so once we moved all the pallets in, we started getting a lot more wholesale clients, a lot more storage clients. So from there, the warehouses looked more full because the floor um, was filled. Now, once you get to that point, obviously you then have to start making use of the space you've got in terms of height. So we started getting racking. Again, that was a scary thing because I think that racking cost like eight grand, nine grand. Now that's something that, although yes, you're doubling how much storage you can get because you've now got two levels, it's not like you're putting nine grand in to get like a return on investment almost straight away um, because you're literally just adding more storage and it's going to take you your entire lease to get that storage money out of the clients and you don't even know if you're going to fill it yet. Um, and again, paying nine grand in, in one lump is not enjoyable at all. Um, nowadays, that's normal, but even even still, it's just not enjoyable to throw nine grand at some bits of metal. Um, so that was again a learning curve and everything I did really during these growth periods there was no experience of it um, I've never been in business I never learned business I literally got an E at college in business I didn't do business at uni I've literally just learned as I've gone um, and kind of hoped it would work and just trusted myself um, and it has, luckily. But then, going back to that warehouse, again, we filled that up pretty quickly. We got more staff. And then, not long ago, actually, uh, what month are we in now? Nearly May. Uh, so, seven months ago, eight months ago, um, we signed another warehouse. So, this is... We signed that the, the big one on a five-year lease. Now, the reason we did that, and a five-year lease, again, is very scary because you don't have a clue what's going to happen in five years. You might need to downgrade, you might need to upgrade. But we signed it on five years because it was so big. Um, so I thought, right, we've got five years, like we're not going to need to move now for five years. Um, yeah, again, 
I was wrong. We've um, within so that was twenty end of twenty twenty. So then by the end of twenty twenty two, so within two years, we'd filled it. And when I say filled it again, I mean I'm going to show these pictures, but it was it wasn't safe, um, and it became again a need. Um, sometimes we'd have to literally in the morning I'd have to go down get the forklift, move pallets out of the doorway, um, put them outside, praying it didn't rain, and then put the pallets back in at the end of the day um, once everyone had left because you literally couldn't walk in the door, go to the office, and then go into the warehouse with the pallets there. So you'd just be hoping that it didn't rain every day, and if it did, you'd have to create like protective layers to stop the stock getting wet. And it just became absolutely mental. Um that's probably up there one of the most stressful times I've had of kind of doing so well at business in that you've reached capacity of a warehouse you didn't think you would in five years um, but at the same time the problems that gave us was it was terrible like when we was in debt that was probably one of the worst places I've been in um, but this wasn't far off like my stress levels at this point of say like we, we were at the brim and then we had a, a client say oh I've got 10 pallets and we couldn't even fit two pallets in we ended up having to like outsource some uh, pallet storage to luckily one of our neighbours that were near um, they had some space available and we just said like can we store some pallets in your warehouse please um, and luckily they let us because I don't know what we'd have done without that would have been pretty fucked to be honest um, so then Again, we was like, right, we need a bigger warehouse. Now, I couldn't believe it because it wasn't even halfway through the lease. Um, and with this lease, there was no break clause. I didn't mind that because I generally thought that in five years would be okay. Um, again, very wrong. So I emailed the estate agent at that point and I said, basically, I need more room. Do you have any warehouses for one that I can take um and two if i find a tenant for the current warehouse can i pass over this lease to them um because that way they're not losing any money at least just basically starts again and they're not having to look for a client or anything like that they said no to both which was great so they didn't have any other spaces even in the surrounding areas um and we couldn't sublet basically if we were subletting it was against the contract rules. And if we were to find a tenant, um, they could set up a lease, but it would, we would still be liable. Um, so if the tenant failed to pay their rent, for example, it would be on our head. So that wasn't an option either. Um, so then it became, again, a case of desperacy. Um, we were looking... At that point then for not a bigger warehouse because that just simply wasn't possible. We couldn't move out of that one. Um, so we we weren't looking for a, a one big unit anymore. We had to have two. So we tried again looking around the estate that was on because again I liked it and I didn't want the staff to be too far away um, in terms of splitting them up. There was absolutely none. In terms of warehouse sizes on that estate, there is only... I think there's only maybe three warehouses, maybe two, that are bigger than the one we had. And one of them is like 50,000 square foot. So I'm talking like a massive steel yard. So that was a no-go. We then started to look around um, and one became available, which I'm currently sat in now. Um, and it's this one is 11,000 square foot. So this one was the same size and then half again. So double and a half again of the warehouse we had at 7,100 square foot. Not double and a half. The same size again. Well, it is double and a half. The same size again and then half of it. Um, again, way too big uh, for what I wanted. But I said at this point then that we have three years left on the lease now. Um and I said to the estate agent of this warehouse, the new one, that can you tie it in with our current lease at the other one? They said, yeah. So again, I was willing to take that big risk 
have taken an even bigger warehouse on. And again, desperacy got me. Um, that's three times now I've been desperate and kind of done something I didn't want to do. Luckily, it's worked out every time. Um, but we signed this. And although it was way bigger than um, I wanted, it's allowed us to make systems so, so, so much better. Um, but yeah, it's, it's allowed me to just relax a bit more do some things that I couldn't do before because we literally had no room, like the podcast. So this one had an office block. So there's four rooms in the office. Um, one's my office, one's the podcast room, one's the break room, and one's our clothing area. Um, so it's allowed us to to make the systems a lot more better, if that's even a, a way of saying it, a lot more better. Um, and just overall now, we're in a comfortable spot, and I'm going to say it, that this should last us for the next it's now two and a half years left now um and it should last us i've said it every time so we probably will end up reaching capacity in another year or so i'm sure you'll find out if that happens but yeah that's kind of where fa prep's taken me and now we don't sell on amazon we haven't sold on amazon for three years now so once we moved into that other warehouse it was within like six months we'd stop selling on amazon we just did prep center completely so the prep center now is is a complete entity in its own it's it provides my entire salary i don't earn money elsewhere and it's a business that i will never not be proud of it's a business that has gone on to do things that i never thought it could do um it's given me opportunities that i never thought would arise it's just been an absolute mental whirlwind of stress hard work and everything else but it's not even done yet um it's still a baby in its own right it's been run the prep center itself has been running maybe four years three four years um so it's still very young in terms of being a business and the the rate that it's grown is absolutely unreal so if it even continues to grow at half the rate that it has then it's going to become some company um i'm no longer like a hundred percent um in control of the company so i re recently relinquished some control to some members of staff team leaders things like that um so that's kind of allowed me to go into other things while also still receiving my salary so that's probably a piece of advice for anyone i would say that is building a business is although it may be four or five years away that's the goal you want um so although i severely enjoyed building this as a business at the end of the day it's not work that is like a passion job um building a business is a good passion of mine but it's not it's not always been a passion of mine to do a prep center that just kind of fell into my lap and i ran with it so that's something i'd say to people if you you want to chase after passion projects and they always say um definitely spend life doing things that you love now, it may be that you don't have enough money to do things you love um, and be able to live and have a house and a car and things like that. Um, so what I've done is spent years of graft um, to now be in a position where the business can run itself, albeit with maybe a little bit of control, um, kind of saying, this is how you solve that problem, this is how you solve that problem, staff management, things like that. But that doesn't take up my nine to five day. I can now go on holidays basically whenever I want. Um, I don't because I'm addicted to work, but I've recently tried to start traveling a bit more and seeing a bit more of the world, um, rewarding kind of the work that I've put in over the past five years. And also now I can start to go into the passion projects. So the podcast, for example, I spend quite a lot of time working on the podcast now. Um, I can come into work, into my office, allow the team to, to run the business as they do every day and me just kind of sit there planning or editing or uploading the podcast. And this is something I've wanted to do for like three, four years. And now I finally got to a position where I can do it and I still earn the salary. It's not gonna take away from my time or my money. The salary is always gonna be there. Um, and I can now put my, my time and effort into this. Going off the podcast, I mean, in terms of long-term goals for it, um, just very quickly, it's kind of just to see where it goes. I've heard that um, apparently most podcasts don't continue after 30 episodes. So that's one goal of mine is to make it to 30. 
I'm going to be, I've got a lot more guests planned. Um, I think I've got four lined up um, coming soon. I want to do a few more of these on my own, kind of talking about my journey. I want to do some maybe with clients I already spoke to, going a bit more in depth. Um, maybe there's certain subjects that we briefly touched on that I want to go more in depth into. I want to try to get Christina back on to talk about AI. Me and Christina are obsessed with AI and I feel like we should get that done soon because it's it's kind of something that's taken over but people don't know it's taken over. So I want to get her back on to talk about that. So again, the, the, the business has allowed me so much more time and not only with the podcast um, but also to then start other businesses um, that I've, I've wanted to do. So I now own a clothing line. Now this is a very funny story um, and I'm going to briefly go into it but during COVID, and again, I've always wanted a clothing line, probably since I was 15, 16, I always wanted a clothing line. I just thought it was like cool to have your own clothing line. Um, and I, I went the hard way about it. I could have just done print on demand. I could have literally got some Fruit of the Loom t-shirts and created a design and put it on the t-shirts and sold them that way. And it would have cost me a tenth of the price and it would have took a tenth of the time but with it being a passion project I didn't want to rush it so during COVID I thought now's the time really to start the passion project of the clothing line and run it alongside a mental health charity so during COVID a lot of people in my town um, young lads like myself unfortunately committed suicide um, there, there were so many young lads that I, I think at one point I was seeing maybe one every few months on Facebook somebody had committed suicide and I was absolutely shocked by the fact that like lockdown could do this to so many young people um, and it kind of wasn't it wasn't kind of getting listened to so I thought if I can somehow help in any way shape or form I'm not, I mean no I can't help directly I don't know these people but I thought if, if I can assist with a charity that has experts and can help, then maybe I could tie that in line with my own passion project. So I created Tonal Clothing. Um, so that was a passion project of mine that then tied in with the Calm charity. So that's the campaign against living miserably. Um, they help people struggling with mental health and suicidal thoughts and things like that. So... I created the clothing line and the reason I said that it's quite funny um, is because that was started in 2020 and that website and them clothes are still not ready to buy. I went in there with all intentions of purchasing t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies and joggers um, for men, women and kids in three different colours. Um, so when I fired over that to a, a middleman that helped me with a factory in Pakistan, um, they sent me a quote over and I think it was like 30 something thousand pounds. And this is why I said I could have done it the fruit of the loom print on demand way and it had cost a tenth for the price. Um, so that idea quickly was like, oh shit, I don't have 30,000 pounds. Um, so I, I had to think of. I kind of put it on the back burner for one. Again, we had all the stuff with FA prep um, taking up a lot of my time as well. So I put it on the back burner and then I, f I figured why don't I just start with t-shirts. So I was basically creating my own product rather than print on demand. I, I was manufacturing clothing to the dimensions that I wanted them, to the quality that I wanted them with the print that I wanted them. Um, this was definitely the hard way of doing it. But that's how I wanted it done. If I was going to do a passion project, I was going to do it right, no matter how long it took. I've waited this long, so why not just wait a bit longer? So I thought, why not just do T-shirts? So I sent over again um, a request for 50 T-shirts of three different colours. Um, and that, again, came to a large price, um, a few thousand pounds. But at that point then, that was reachable. Um, I didn't have it at that point, but... It was a goal to like aim for. So I think I had, I think I had like two thousand pound house savings at that point that I was on my way to, um, and I thought, you know what, I'm changing the house savings. I'm going to put up with living at home. Uh, I'm changing the house savings to the clothing line savings. 
So I started sticking money in the clothing line savings each month. Um, any money I got would go into there that I didn't spend. And eventually I reached it. Um, so once I've reached it, I then, I thought it was simply a case of pay, they prepare, ship it over, done. And I thought that would literally be a case of weeks. Um, obviously it's made in Pakistan, so you've got the shipping time. I was so wrong. It's so in depth. I had to get people on board to create high quality images for me because I had no clue how to do that. I had to get the middleman, like I say, involved with the dimensions because there were so many dimensions that I had to give. I didn't even know what some of the words were. Um, I had to get, I can't remember what else there was, but it took so, so long. Um, and then from there, finally got the order in. And I think even from that point, it was six months until we received them. Now, we only received them three weeks ago, maybe. Um, so now, finally, I have the clothes in my hand and I can see that it is going to get somewhere. So I'll be speaking about the, the clothing line once that's ready. Um, might do a little sponsorship at the beginning of a pod. Um, so you'll, you'll see more about that and I'll probably be wearing the clothes during the pod. So you'll definitely see them. If you are interested in any minimalistic kind of clothing, gray, white and black clothing, then Tonal probably is the, the brand for you. But that was such a long winded process that I didn't expect at all. And I've heard many people say as well that if you want to make money from a business, clothing is not the one, um, because there's so many extra costs, mistakes that are made. So we had samples sent and the samples weren't good enough. Now samples getting sent from Pakistan were like £150 to go. So I was shocked at that. There were so many things I just didn't know about that cost money and time. We set up the Shopify, that cost £25 a month to then have shipping delayed by months and months. So I'd end up paying like £100 Shopify for absolutely zero reason. Nothing was going on it. But at least now I've got the clothing, there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel um, that will be coming soon. So that's again, another passion project that I've been able to do after building this business. I kind of put the slug work in, worked hard, worked long hours to be able to get to this point now where I can, if I get an idea, I usually can just go for it. And that happened yet again. Um, so with stepping back in this business, I, I stepped back in this business big time in January. So I involved the team leaders and the client support in January and kind of took that step back and that gave me so much time um, that I was able to then sit in the office and kind of think, what am I going to do to fill my time? I hate sitting around doing nothing. Um, and although it was nice and at times I was able to go on holiday, I think I went to a different European city for the first three months of this year and that was really nice. But obviously that's only four days out of the month for the other 27 days, I was sat there with not a whole lot to do. So I thought, right, although I have done this to give myself a better quality of life um, and more time, I do want something to drive towards. Now, the clothing was on the back burner at that point. I was simply just waiting for shipping. I could do nothing with that. The podcast was started, um, but again, although I spent quite a lot of time on it, I like to... I see my girlfriend, but outside of that and football, I don't like to just sit and watch TV and plod along. I like to ensure that evenings where I'm not doing anything with friends or girlfriend or family, that I have an option to go into work and do something. Um, so now I've created the Happy Workplace Company. This again, very, very young, not even really out there yet. I've simply just posted on my personal Facebook and we're going to be advertising very soon. But it got to a point where I wanted another source of income because the podcast is not a source of income. The clothing line, it won't be a source of income for a very, very, very long time. All money will be pumped back in. It's kind of starting again like I did with FA Prep in that no money is going to come out from it. Um, so I wanted something that's going to push me now towards the property side of things, that's a future goal for me. Um, so I kind of just sat down really, and again, this goes into AI. I literally just put into AI, uh, I can't even remember what I asked it. It was something like, I have these personality traits, what could I do as a job? Um, so if you've never used AI, it's absolutely bonkers. Like you can literally do anything on it. 
So it, it gave me a list of things and one of them was consulting. Now, I thought consulting, how on earth can I consult when in reality, and this is being me, me being dead honest with myself, Although I've managed to get a business to a successful place, I don't have much business acumen. Like I have literally just worked hard, um, winged it a lot of the time, took risks, failed. But in terms of actual business knowledge, I don't have like a whole lot. There, I'm still learning so much like every single day. So business development or anything like that, it was not an option. Um, so then I looked at kind of, what do I do well? And the one thing that stood out to me was that I manage my team well. The job they do is very monotonous and it can sometimes be very boring. Coming into a warehouse and prepping goods and then leaving, um, I kind of had to make it a workplace and make it a team that was happy to come into work, which was very hard in the job it is. But based on feedback that I've been given from my team, I've managed to do that really well. So that was really the only thing that I could find apart from hard work, which was a skill that I had. And it was something that I feel the older generation um, of business owners, a lot of them, I'd say over half of them don't really focus on staff well-being and things like that. It's more profit, profit, profit. Um, the younger generation now start to care more about well-being um, and they're starting to realize that the more we care about well-being, the profit actually then starts to look after itself. The happier your staff are, the higher efficiency, the better the brand image, um, the, the less staff turnover. And all these things can help the profit at the end of the day. So I then, again, I spent a whole night on AI. And basically, AI created this whole business for me. I just basically put in the prompts and it gave me what I needed. So... That night, Happy Workplace Company was born, and it's basically a consulting company which is there to look after the staff well-being side of businesses. So not everybody has the knowledge or the experience or knowing what to do when it comes to ensuring that staff are happy within a workplace. Although I'm very young, I've just turned 26, although I'm very young, I have four years, three years of staff um, but say four, five years of owning the prep center where I've managed staff and I've ensured that their well-being is at tip top and I have the proof right in front of me of a team of 10 that are extremely happy to work for my company. So that's kind of where I went with it and I thought I could help a lot of businesses um, but not only that, I could help a lot of staff. So not only am I helping um, people within the workplace but at the end of the day I'm then helping the businesses make money so I'm looking after both parties and it felt like a, a big gap in the market so I rolled with it again spent a lot of time on AI creating logos names um, ideas content ideas I, next day I came into work and I built the website I spent the whole day just building that website and then from there I literally created the company and here we are so Current progress on that is that I'm just waiting to start advertising now. Um, I, I'm sure I can give you an update in a few months of where we're at with that. There's no expectation of it. It may be a case of absolutely no one gives a flying fuck about staff well-being, or maybe they do give a flying fuck that they're not willing to spend the money on it, or maybe they already take care of the staff well-being. It's a completely unknown world to me, consulting, um, but the way I saw it was business was an unknown world to me, and I managed to run with that. I managed to make that work. Um, so I have the same optimism with the Happy Workplace Company. And if it does work, I've managed to gain an extra income stream. If it doesn't work, I haven't spent much um, on getting it started. I've literally paid a Wix membership for a pro website. I've bought the website domain and I've paid for some flyers and business cards. So there wasn't much risk involved. Um, so we'll definitely see where that goes. So that kind of leaves us where we are now. Um, we've got four things on the go, um, two of which no income, one of which provides my salary, and one of which will hopefully provide an income in the future. So kind of now it's just plodding along and seeing what happens with these things. The clothing line, 
um, the Happy Workplace Company and the podcast all started very similar time. So I've kind of got three babies in my arms at the minute that I'm trying to grow, but it's kind of put the pump back into work life. So I was kind of getting a bit too relaxed really with work life. I was coming in, I was just forgetting things because I wasn't really listening to much um, and kind of just being sluggish all the time. So it's kind of put the oomph back into me now. The podcast, um, I'm here recording this on an evening. So most of the podcast stuff I can do, I do recordings on the evening and I edit in the day. If I'm not doing that, I've now got the Happy Workplace company that I can work on the website, I can go advertise, flyers, work on content ideas. If I'm not doing that, I've got Tonal Clothing where I can work on pictures, content ideas, again, the website. And if I'm not doing that, I can look at growing FA Prep continuously. Luckily, that looks after itself quite a lot now, um, but we are looking to continue that snowball. And I'm in a very, very good place with everything at the minute, so... Going off how I feel, um, I feel like that should portray back into the companies and I really look forward to seeing what kind of position I am in a year's time maybe. Um, the podcast should still be going, touch wood, in a year's time so maybe we can do another one of these and have a catch up on the four companies or maybe even more by that point. I mean I get so many ideas, I sometimes I'll stand in the shower, I'll have an idea, I'll literally jump out, write it on my notes and then for the whole night just plan ideas around that there's so many ideas that i've come up with created logos names websites and just never done it with them um because i like to carry it through and a, a lot of people have said this about me like i don't get an idea and just fuck it off um i get an idea and i absolutely run with it and sometimes it, it don't work sometimes i just fuck it off and by fuck it off, I mean I, I make the stuff, like I made the website, I made the logo, and I think actually I don't want to do this. Um, but I always try something. I never have an idea and go, ah, oh, no, I can't do that. Um, I do believe that I can do anything. So, like I say, we'll see where we are in a year's time. I don't know how long this podcast has been. I'm hoping it hasn't been too long um, of me absolutely just waffling. I don't know if you're going to enjoy this kind of chat, um, but hopefully it's provided at least one person just some sort of help within maybe their early business life or maybe even it's just giving you a bit of an insight into me as the host of the podcast if you didn't know me before if you did know me it's kind of let you where I'm at now um and yeah I've got uh, a few guests coming on soon so you probably won't see me on my own for a while uh actually I'm gonna do the uh, the magic box of questions I didn't manage to do two truths one lie because I know the truth and the lie about myself. But I did tell myself I am going to do one of the questions just to add a bit of fun into a solo podcast. So we've got... What is one moment you wish you could relive again? Um... Ooh. Um, I'm trying to think. There's been a lot of good moments in my life, um, but I'm not sure about what I would relive again. I'm trying to think of like business or personal. Um, I would probably say... I would probably say when we got that first warehouse, um, and I, you know the moment that I said where it kind of felt like it was my house, um, that period before it all went tits up and we got into debt, that period before I just felt like an adult. I think I was probably 20, 21 at that point, still living at home with mum, but me being able to go to that warehouse, I literally felt like an adult and I could do whatever I wanted with whatever time I wanted and that was like a time that I really loved before it went tits up. It was a time I really hated, but that was a time that I probably would relive again um, if I could, because before staff and it was before kind of time restraints were on me as a business in terms of you had to be open nine to five, I could kind of go into the warehouse whenever I wanted, stay till whenever I wanted. And it was just a great time really to be in business. Um, and don't get me wrong, I do love the fact of where we've gone to, but that was a much more like mind-free time. 
Um, so yeah, if that was if there was one moment I would relive again, it probably would be that one. But that is it for this podcast. I do hope you enjoyed, um, and I will see you either in the next one or in a past one if you're going back and watching the others. Um, so thank you very much. <laughs>